This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's four verses one through six. I know some of you, because of Thanksgiving weekend, maybe you're out of town. I know many were sick. Um, so, plus, this kind of builds a base about what we're going to talk about with our next section of verses this morning. So, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, many of you are already there. If you've got your phone, look at your phone, scoot up to the next person beside you, or you can look at the screens. All right? You guys ready? Here we go. Therefore, well, if you guys haven't learned already, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to find out what it's there for, right? So Paul has been t- uh, talking to us about our doctrine in the faith, about our position in Christ over the last three chapters. And now in chapter 4, he transitions and talks about how we're going to put that into practical use, how we're going to live that out daily. And he didn't pull any punches. He starts right away and says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called. In one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Pastor Josh clearly explained about unity. And you know what? There is something about the gospel reaching a world. There is nothing proclaims the beauty of the gospel more to an unbelieving world than our ability in our church body to be unified, to be together, to not be divided, to not stand uh, separate from each other, but to be united in one. Unity in the body has the world and they see the gospel by how we get along. And I really don't want to go into too much detail. If you are not able to be here, please go online and listen to Pastor Josh as he preaches through that text. So we're going to be in the next section of verses 7 through 16. And guys, I have to be honest. I was going to just say, you know what, we're just going to go straight to the points. And we'll read each portion that aligns with our points and go through the scripture that way. And I was like, wait a minute, Jeff, what are you doing? Well, I didn't want to read it multiple times. (laughs) Then I realized, you know what? God's Word is alive. It is clear. It is active. And His Word is so much more important than anything I could say. So if we read some of these verses multiple times, it is much worth, it is much more worth hearing from God's Word than from me. So, in uh, chapter 4, verse 7, let's read. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? To he who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens, to that, so that he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, for the equipment of the saints. For the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, 
As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by every trickery of, the, of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to come together to worship, uh, to read, Lord, to study. The opportunity, Lord, to preach and teach your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for the freedom that we have in this country, Lord, that we can come and do so. Father, I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord, that you would just remove me from the equation. Father God, anything positive from me, anything negative, Father, that you would just push it to the side. And that, Father, we would just hear simply from you. Lord, it's my prayer, Lord, that you would use me this morning as a vessel and just speak through me. And that your will will be done. And that, Lord, we would only hear, Lord, from you. We thank you for your love. We ask that you will bless this time together. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I know many of you who are sports fans, you're excited about this time of year because you get to watch basketball and football all together. It's not just a one-season kind of type thing. It's a lot of things going on, and you get to watch sports multiple times. Now, me, I'm a big basketball fan. Love watching, especially college basketball, because it's amazing to watch these five guys. Now, I know nowadays we have these multi-dimensional players that can play all sorts of different positions. But when you've got a true point guard, you've got a true center, and those type, and as a team flows together, and the coach calls the plays, and they go out and they run the play, and they, it works, and it just flows, and it just goes well together, and they can win. It's a team sport. Can you imagine Muggsy Bogues or Steph Curry trying to play center? It just wouldn't work. Can you imagine Shaq or Elijah One trying to play point guard? No, it just doesn't work. Everyone has a position. Everyone has a place. And as long as they come and do their part, they can win as a team. It's the same thing in football. Can you imagine John Elway trying to play lineman? He would get run over. Can you imagine a lineman trying to be quarterback? just doesn't work. It doesn't matter if they're on the sidelines. It doesn't matter if they're on the field. Everyone plays a part. And for those of you who are not sports, for you ladies, I know this time of year, as much as it pains me to say it, it is time for you to watch Hallmark, Hallmark Christmas movies, right? Can you imagine? Oh, Lord Jesus, let's pray. Give me hands right now. We've got an altar call right here. Um, can you imagine the cameraman trying to play the lead? Now, all these Hallmark movies are all the same thing. It's just different people who happen to meet, who fall in love. It's just a different setting, different scene, same movie over and over again. But you guys love to watch it all 35 days of Christmas, right? So, can you imagine the cameraman playing the lead? Can you imagine the director trying to play a supporting cast? It just wouldn't work to make the movie work, to make it successful. Because the cameraman's probably too ugly to play that guy or girl, right? And if, it w- if they didn't look so pretty or handsome, we probably wouldn't watch it, right? We won't go there. But for the make this successful film and movie, everybody has to do their part. You know what? It's the same way in church. We all are called to play a part. And God has called us to Keystone. 
And we are called to play a part. And everybody has to do their part. doesn't matter if you're up here, behind the scenes, or what have you. We're called to play a part. So the question is, what's your part? Paul talks about this. So the first thing we need to see is the gospel. The gospel creates a change in you. How do you see that, Jeff? Well, let's read. Let's look in verse 7 through verse 10. You ready? But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We'll come back to verse 7 and look at it again. Let's look at verse 8. And this is kind of a tongue twister for me. So I'll try to get through it again. When he ascended, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Say what? Descended, ascended, what what are you talking about? It's actually a, a, a different picture, a different way to look at the gospel. Here, Paul is actually quoting Psalm 68. Psalm 68, he's putting this into his own words. It is a victory hymn, a victory song. And this song, this Psalms in 68, is talking about kings of Israel in that time who would go out and they would descend into battle. And as they won and had a victorious battle, they would ascend back home. And as they came back home, they would celebrate and they would sing this psalm, this song, this this hymn of victory. And they would celebrate and they would share the spoils of war with everyone there. Paul is saying this is exactly what Christ has done for us. He died on the cross. He descended. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And then he what? He ascended and he rose again. It is a picture, a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's not just that, but we are celebrating the month, this month of what? Christmas, right? We just got finished singing some Christmas songs. Christ not only defeated death, hell, and the grave and ascended and rose again. Why does Paul repeat it? Because Christ originally was in heaven and he came down to earth as a baby wrapped in flesh. That we're getting ready to celebrate in a few weeks. And then he what? When his mission was complete, he came to provide salvation for all of us. And when his mission was complete, he then ascended back to heaven. It's a picture of the gospel. And what gifts did he bring? He provided for you and I salvation. He provided a way for us to go and spend eternity with him in heaven. As long as you acknowledge and accept the fact that he died... He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. And three days later, he rose again. And we're just going to switch this out. You can see the devil is working and trying to get on my nerves. All right, is that better? All right. So he not only provided salvation for us, he provided the Holy Spirit When he left and he ascended back to heaven, he provided the Holy Spirit to live in us. The gospel created a change in you. Well, Jeff, exactly how is that? Look at who's writing this passage. It's Paul. Paul, the greatest missionary that we've ever known. Paul, who wrote, what, 13 books of the New Testament? Paul, who has done all these incredible things. Who did he used to be? Saul. 
right? He was a murderer. He persecuted Christians. He sought out to plot out and kill and destroy Christians. He was on the road to Damascus, and then what happened? He met Jesus, and his world was rocked, and he was forever changed. Changed so much that he changed his name. Let me show you this example. If I can do this correctly, I saw this a few years ago, and I was like, oh, man, i got to keep that in my back pocket. So here we have two chairs. And this is how a lot of us are guilty of living. Jesus, this represents Jesus. Jesus is sitting here. This represents you and humanity and me. So this is Jesus. This is Jeff. And what we do a lot of times, we're living life. And we think, you know what? I need to get there. You know what? I did my devotions today. Hey, I came to church today. I told my wife how much I love her today. Oh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing good. But you know what? My kids got on my last nerve, and I wasn't as kind to them last night. And you know what? On the way to church this morning, that genius that thought they could drive, and I had a few words for them. Yep, yep, that wasn't quite so kind. That wasn't so Christ, Christ-like. And that's what we do when we have this battle of going back and forth and back and forth. And what we need to recognize and realize is that Christ, who is the God of the universe, who is loving, who is kind, who is merciful, who is gracious, who has provided and given us so many things. And we have Jeff, who is a murderer, because we all have that capability, a thief, a liar, a sinful man. Instead of me trying to get here, we need to realize that Christ has already come to us. And this is how we need to picture it and understand it because this is the truth that Christ stands before us. We do not have to work and try to get to Him. We don't have to live and do certain things each day to try to please Him. We need to realize that Christ already lives in you as long as you have accepted His free gift of salvation. And this is how Christ is. He has already come to us. We do not need to go to Him. So not only does the gospel create a change in you that we need to realize. Let's look at the next verses. We'll look back at verse 7 and skip over to 11. You ready? To be each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. We need to understand that Christ has also given, or the gospel has also given each of us a gift. And it's a gift to use. You were given a spiritual gift. And some of us, well, exactly what is my gift and why is it important? It's important because only you can reveal a part of Christ because of your experiences, because you are unique and that Christ has given you a specific gift that he has not given someone else. And some of us think, well, you know what, Jeff? This person, you know what? They're, they're so much better than I am. You know, they're better at this. Well, let's, let's I'll tell you what. Let's try to figure out what our gifts are. Have, have, how many of you have taken those multiple choice tests? Have you ever taken those? Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in those things. Sometimes, uh, yeah, they work. Sometimes they really don't. 
So how do you know? One, God's word says wisdom is given to those who ask. And if you draw near to God, he will reveal it to you. It is something that you are supposed to find out, not just guess. But how else can you know? Well, what is your ability? What is your God-given, natural-born ability or your talent? What is that? Me? I don't have a problem talking in front of people. It doesn't bother me one bit. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. My wife hates it, but she can sing like an angel. So I love the fact that we can work together as a team because I don't mind talking. She doesn't mind singing, and so it works great for us. What is your natural-born ability? Two, what is your passion? What is something you're passionate about? Me, I am passionate about our students. I love them. I love seeing how God is growing them. My job is to teach, train, and disciple and come along you side as parents to help you do so. And I love from looking back and seeing students that we worked with years ago who are now in the ministry who are working. It's a beautiful thing. But you know what? There are also students who have turned away. You know that statistics state that 70 to 80% of our students who go off and in their first year of college, they turn away from the faith. And to me, that's not good enough. I demand more and I demand better. Our students can make it. They can do it. We, as parents and as leaders, need to continue to train and disciple and teach them so that when they reach that part, they're ready. That's our job. So what are you passionate about? Also, what do others affirm in you? So you have your ability or your talents, uh, your, there it is, your passion, and then your affirmation from others that others tell you, and they confirm those things in you. When you, all those three things coincide, when they merge together, in the middle of that, you can find your spiritual gift, and you can see that clearly. Some of you think, well, you know what, Jeff? I, don't, I hear what you're saying, but I really don't think I'm that unique. I really don't think I'm that special. How in the world can God use me? Let me stop you and make sure I clarify, you are special. You are unique. And God created each and every one of you for a purpose and a reason. He wants to use you for his glory and his service. Did you know that the human DNA code that it is so unique that if you try to write or see someone's DNA code, it stands from 1 in 10 to the 2 billionth power. That means you have one with 2 billion zeros beside it as your DNA code, which proves to us that you are unique. God created you and no one else like you. God created you and gave you not only physical abilities, but he gave you a spiritual gift. And it's ready for you to accept it, to find out, discover it, train, disciple, learn how to use it, and then use it. You are unique. You are special. He created you to where only you can reveal that part of Christ because of your life, your experiences. Only you can reveal that part. So, I need it. I need your gift. My kids need your gift. And we, as a church body, need your gift. So let's look on and see what else Paul says. 
Uh, we'll re- reread verse 11 and go through 13. In verse 11 it says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service and the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Not only has the gospel created a change in you, not only has the gospel provided you with a unique gift, the gospel has also created a unity in us as bodies of believers as a church. You see, you're supposed to come and use your gift. And by doing so and revealing Christ, it builds us up and it unites us. Can I stop here for a moment and say, if you don't know what your gift is, if you have trouble wondering how to use it, this is a good time for you to go and to find a connect group. And if you don't mind me saying, when we went to the Spanish church back in the summer, we had 80 plus people each week. The last several weeks, we've had a handful of people. Now, I know life happens and I know we've been busy, school activities, all those things. But you know what? You need to be involved in the connect group. It is how we build each other up. It is how we use our talents and our gifts and our abilities that God has given us. And so I'm just challenging you and encouraging you to do so because it's what we need. You know what else? Many of us think that we are to come and follow after Josh and that Pastor Josh is our servant leader. And then we as sheep need to just come in behind him and just fall in line and serve after him. That's not it. Huh? Now hear me out. When Josh became pastor, his role changed. You understand that? He is no longer our servant leader. He is the servant equipper. It says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. So why should you use your gift? Josh's job is not to do that. Josh's job is to help you find your gift, train, disciple, and teach you. And then as you do so, then we're supposed to go and reproduce and do it as well. Our job as the saints, we are the saints, we do the work. Josh's job is to equip us to be able to do so. Our job is not to follow after Josh as he serves and then we jump in and we serve after him. No. His job is to equip us. We are to do the work. You guys okay on that one? You guys clear? You guys are mighty quiet. And some of you are wondering, really? Hey, I just, hey. I'm just reading God's word. I'm just sharing exactly what God's word states. Now, job, Josh continues to serve and lead, especially being as a church plant. But his job is to come and bring the word each week. His job is to teach, train, and equip us. Our job is to do the work. A minute ago, when I was talking about being unique, um, there was a friend of mine who went to Disney with her family back when her kids were younger. And uh, she actually was uh, Tyler's wedding coordinator last week. And so Debbie, as she went to Disney, they had gone to the parks. And as they were there, they left the park really late one night. They got on the Disney data bus to go back to the hotel. And it was just them. And all of a sudden, the bus made a stop, and a guy got on. 
And this guy had funky colored hair. He had tattoos everywhere, nose ring, earring, chains, whips, all that kind of stuff. He looked rough. So she grabbed her husband's hand, slid over a little tighter, grabbed her kids, pulled them over a little closer, and thought, oh, my goodness, I'm back in Durham. No, she didn't think that. She thought, oh, my goodness. She said, I don't know what he's going to do. She said, I was nervous. She said, in the midst of the ride, he struck up a conversation and started sharing with them the gospel. Started talking to them about Jesus. And she said, so they had a great conversation as believers. She said, when she got off that bus, she felt so guilty, not only because she judged him, but then she realized, you know what? He is able to reach people that I could never reach. He is able to talk to people and share the gospel with people that would never, ever listen to me. Keystone, we are called to use our gift here in the church and out into the world because only you can reveal that part of Christ. Only you can reach people that I could never reach. That is what God has called us to do. So not only has he called us to be unified because we stand together as a body of believers unified. Now I know some of you, you have not jumped into service because of past hurts. And I can be honest and just tell you, if I can just be transparent for a moment, two of our biggest hurts was from a youth pastor and a pastor and how they treated us and how they dealt with us. One came back years later and apologized for how he did things. It hurt. We needed a time of healing. Some of you, because of past hurts, you need a time of healing. We understand that. We want you to heal. We want you to take that time to do so. But when you are ready to jump in and serve, we are ready for you to do so. What I don't want is for you to use that as an excuse and not jump back into serving. Others of you, now let me stop. Let me say thank you. There are ones that are serving in our kids' ministry today. There are those of you who serve in our kids' ministry every other week. Thank you. There are those who practice with our worship team and do an awesome job. Thank you for serving. There are those who stand outside with our greeting team. It doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees or 20 degrees. You have a smile on your face and you're welcoming everyone who walks through that door. Thank you. There are those who work so hard in using their gifts and doing setup and teardown. We have many who serve and use their gifts. Thank you. But for those of us who are not, that's what this is for, to remind us that Paul has commanded us and shown us that the gospel has called us to be united as one, to come together and serve together, building up the body of Christ. Let's look at these next few verses in verse 14. It says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of every doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The gospel calls you and I to simply grow up. It is time to put on your big boy pants. It is time to put on your big girl pants and simply grow up. 
Our churches are filled in America. People that have been saved 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they are still babes in Christ. They literally come to church on Sunday, feed on the milk of the word, get a pat on the back, get pampered, and then they're sent out and they come back and do it week after week after week without maturing and growing. God has called us to grow up. We have mothers who nurse a newborn baby and then change their diaper, pat them, burp them, and then it's a repeat over what, six, eight times a day? We don't need to be that kind of spiritual Christian. We don't need to be that kind of person to where we just come and feed on the milk of the word. We need to grow up and be the milk of the word. Do you know why I talk to our students and I always say student ministry and I never say teenagers? Because when I say teenagers, when we look at that, we think of them as older children. No, they're students. And in actuality, they're young adults. We think of young adults of those who are in college or who are 20-something. No, teenagers are young adults. And it is my job and your job as parents and as leaders to teach and train and disciple them. Why? So they will grow up. It is Josh's job to teach and train you, and it is your job to respond and grow up. Stop being babies at church. We need to stop simply coming and listening to the gifts of our pastor and become leaders in ministry. To become leaders so we can actually what? Reproduce. This is how we grow. This is how we mature. This is how our church grows. It is not just you welcoming someone. It is us teaching and training and becoming disciples of Christ and then going about and doing the work and reproducing and continue to grow and continue to do so. We do not want to have a buffet of ministries here at Keystone. This is just me talking. This is, as Josh would say, this is Jeffology. I don't think we want a buffet of ministries. Why? Because what do you have in a buffet? In a buffet, you have some food that's, ah, it's okay. Some of us, oh, it's not so good. It's just a lot of food that's not great. We don't want that. We want to make sure that we improve and we serve our kids and do it well. We want to make sure that we serve our students and do it well. We want to make sure we do our connect group and our setup teams and our worship team. We want to make sure we do those well. And as we grow and add more, and after we improve those ministries and we are doing those ministries well, then we can accept a new ministry and then we can focus and do that ministry well. We don't want to have a ton of ministries. We want to do what God has called us to do and do it well. How do we do that? By you and I growing up. In uh, Psalms 1 through 3, and I'll close with this. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let me read this to you. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. We need students and parents and adults who are firmly planted 
in God's word that it doesn't matter what storms may come, the winds come, that we stand strong, that we are firmly planted. We need a generation of trees, not a generation of weeds. We need adults who are ready to stand up and serve and follow behind our pastor who equips us and not just leads us serving. We need leaders who are going to serve and as we follow behind them. And then we need to reproduce it. This is what we've been called to. And today, my prayer is not for you to leave here feeling beat up. It is not for you to feeling like, oh man, I need to serve. I need. It is not. If that is the way you feel, then I sincerely apologize and I want you to hear my heart. My prayer is for you not to not feel beat up in any way. My prayer is that you would leave here excited realizing that the God of the universe has created you uniquely, specially, who has gifted you, and he wants to use you in his service to build his kingdom, to reach others. That is something we should get excited about. It is something that we as Christians should desire to do, to chew on the meat of the word, to really grow up, to make sure that our students do not fall away. What do they do when we look at them and we think that they're just acting like kids? Sometimes they're repeating what they see at home. And it is my prayer for you to not be a babe in Christ anymore, to, but to grow up. How do we do that? We recognize that the gospel has called us to grow up. By recognizing that the gospel has called us as a church to be unified. By recognizing that the gospel has provided you with a gift to use. And we can do that when we realize the gospel has created a change in you and me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for today. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.